Welcome to New Life. Thank you so much for joining us online this weekend. We're in the second week of our series, New Beginnings, Life in the Spirit. Now, I was supposed to preach this message over a year ago in March of 2020, but a few things happened. And I'll be honest, I'm really excited. I'm actually glad that I get to give this message today because I think I have a greater understanding of what it means to live in the Spirit after a year that we just had. Because what I've learned is that as the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, He empowers us. He walks with us every step of the way. And I do have a better understanding of that today than I did a year ago. Last week, Pastor Chris walked us through several passages in the book of John, and he showed us how Jesus spoke about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Chris also shared how through the empowering of the Holy Spirit in his personal life, he's felt a closeness with God unlike any that he's had before, and also how he's experienced unity as a result of that. Today, I get to piggyback off that a little bit. I'm going to start with the words of Jesus, but then we're actually going to focus primarily on the coming of the Holy Spirit and how he's still available for us today. Now, this message may sound familiar to some of you, and that's because Pastor Chris has preached this message several times throughout the history of New Life. We've repeated it because we believe it's that important. Last week was a new message, one that God laid on Pastor Chris's heart, but this is one that we've gone over many times. Now, we've made tweaks along the way, and as I looked at this message, I've made a few changes as well, but at its heart, this message is an exposition of Scripture. We're going to be looking at Luke 24, Acts 1, and Acts 2, several verses out of those chapters, and what exposition means is that we will look at the Scripture, we'll break it down sort of verse by verse or a couple verses at a time. We're going to look at the truth of Scripture and see how it applies to our lives. The message hasn't changed much because Scripture doesn't change. And we're thankful that the Holy Spirit, again, is available. Before we look at those passages of Scripture, though, I want to look at our take-home point for today. And it's the one point that we seek to make through Scripture, and I've already referenced it a, a couple of times, and it quite simply is this, the promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. The promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. Now, if you have your Bible or your Bible app, I'd invite you to turn to Luke 24. Again, we're going to look at a lot of different passages, so you're going to want to keep that handy. Also, since you're watching online today, there's a notes tab. You can click on that tab. My notes will be there. All of the scripture passages will be there as well. So you're going to want to keep those handy as we walk through the message today. But before we get to that, let's pray. Father God, I would humbly ask and pray that as we look at your word today, that you would reveal your truth to us. Lord, that we would be filled with your Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you, I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look first at Luke 24, verses 45 through 49. Luke 24. Then he, meaning Jesus, opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You're my witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. So these words of Jesus were recorded after his resurrection, but right before he ascended into heaven. These are his last words. And oftentimes we think that someone's last words are the most important, and these are very important. Jesus declares what he's already done, 
right? How he suffered and died, how he was raised from the dead. And because of that, he had authority, the authority to tell his followers what was to come next. Now, he told them to wait. And then he told them that as they waited, they would receive power. They would be clothed with power from on high. I can imagine the disciples like, I have no idea what he means. Why does he always do this? And even though they may not have understood what he meant, the process was pretty clear. Wait, be clothed with on power, and then they would what? Declare his name to the nations, right? Starting in Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. Now, Luke, who wrote this passage, he wrote the gospel of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. Luke and Acts go together. And so he gives us a little bit more detail into what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1. We're only going to look at verse 8, but it says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, as we can see, the wording is very similar to the previous passage, right? And also, so is the process. Wait, receive power, and then go from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Each of those geographic areas getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It'd be like saying Saxonburg and Butler County and Pennsylvania, the United States, the world. That's what Jesus is saying there. He also gives a little bit more of a descriptor. He doesn't say clothed with on power, but he tells the source of the power, the Holy Spirit. So the disciples are to wait. They're to receive power from the Holy Spirit, and then they are to go. Now, thankfully for us, we don't have to wait as long as the disciples had to because in Acts 2, the details of the story unfold. Acts 2, verses 1 through 3, says this. On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. Now, Pentecost is a Jewish celebration that celebrated 50 days after Passover. You'll remember uh, that Jesus was crucified during the, in the midst of, really, this whole Passover celebration. And then he died and three days later was, was raised from the dead, spent some time with his disciples, gave them the instructions that we just read, and then he went to heaven. So in total, between Passover and Pentecost is 50 days. Pentecost actually means 50 days. And so the disciples were waiting for about 10 days after Jesus had been raised into heaven. And what happened? Well, they received the promise. They were waiting as he instructed, and they received the promise. They were filled. They were baptized, and they were able to speak in other languages, they've been praying and waiting for 10 days, and all of a sudden, the promise was fulfilled. Now, notice the descriptive language, suddenly, suddenly. I love that term because they were waiting and praying and waiting, and then boom, all of a sudden, in a miraculous way, this wind appears. Well, it doesn't appear, it's heard. We don't actually know if it was like a windstorm. We don't know what happened, but we know that there was a sound like a roaring wind. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared, and they seemed to like settle on the folks. I don't actually, I, I'll be honest, it's one of those things when I get to heaven, I'm like, can I see what that looked like? Because it sounds so crazy to me. But what we do know is that in the midst of this, there was a sound of a mighty wind and flame appeared. Now, what's interesting 
is as Jesus started his public ministry, he met a man named John the Baptist. You can read about this in the Gospels. And John the Baptist said that eventually, one day, Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And what we see is a fulfillment of John's words. As the Holy Spirit appeared over these followers, 120 of them, as fire or, or flaming tongues of fire. Very incredible experience to have lived through. Lived through. Now, verse 4 continues. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. Everyone present, all 120, men, women, perhaps children, we don't know about that, but everyone who was there was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues or other languages. Then verse 5, godly Jews from many nations were living in Jerusalem at that time. When they heard this sound, they came running to see what it was all about, and they were both bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. They were beside themselves with wonder. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking the languages of the lands where we were born. Now, part of me goes, what sound did they hear? Did they hear the wind? Did they hear the people? I'm not sure, but they, there was a commotion, and they came running, and they went, who are these folks? We, they're from Galilee, but we can hear them in our own language. And why that's incredible is Galilee's kind of like an ordinary town. Folks there wouldn't know other languages. And yet these folks from all over the world could hear them speaking in a language they could understand. The scripture goes on to list everywhere that these folks were from. In verse 9, it says, here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya towards Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabians. And we all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things God has done. How many? All. All heard in their own language. Verse 12 records the crowd's response. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd were mocking. They're drunk. That's all they said. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. Some of you are saying these people are drunk. It isn't true. It's much too early for that. People don't get drunk by nine in the morning. So Peter starts by addressing the crowd, and he addresses the doubters, right? And then he continued, No, what you see this morning was predicted centuries ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit upon all of my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness. The moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. And anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, as we consider everything that happened that day, we need to remember the coming of the Holy Spirit to the believers on Pentecost was a once-in-history experience. This experience happened one time. Now, the promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. 
but he came like this to the 120 one time. Never before or since has the Holy Spirit come in exactly this way with the sound of a rushing wind or a windstorm and the flames or tongues of fire. That happened one time. So in verses 1 to 4, we see the fulfillment of God's promise. The Holy Spirit came. But that was the start, not the finish. In fact, the Holy Spirit would fall many more times throughout the book of Acts and is still doing so today. He would fill folks and they are baptized. The interesting thing is, the common thread we see through it all is when the Holy Spirit descends, when you are baptized, when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we see this in the book of Acts, the common consistent thing is people speaking in foreign languages or tongues. One of the most important truths that we know about God is that He never changes, but how He reveals Himself changes frequently. Think about Moses. He came to Moses in the form of a burning bush. We know that with Abraham, he came as a traveler. For the disciples, God revealed himself through a man named Jesus who walked with them, which is incredible. For us today, God is revealed to us as spirit. He comes how he comes to us. And even how he shows up as spirit to us can happen in a variety of ways. For some, it may be as we sit at our home as we travel along the way. For others, it may be during worship or as we come forward to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The the consistent and key thing in all of this to remember is God isn't finished sending the Holy Spirit, even though it may look different. He showed up that way one time, and he shows up to us today how he chooses. Now, if we move on to verses 5 and 6, It's pointed out the initial coming of the Holy Spirit was only to Jews. It was only to Jews. You know, as Christians, as modern-day believers, we often forget our faith as Jesus' followers is rooted in Judaism. That's our history. That's our heritage. But we often forget that because many of us weren't Jews before we came to Jesus. But these folks were. Now, Jews in Jesus' day, at this time, they took pilgrimages. And so for Holy days or festivals, they would, they would have these pilgrimages and they would go to Jerusalem. So when, when Passover occurred, there'd be many in the town who weren't from the town. They, they took a pilgrimage there. And the same happened during this festival of Pentecost, this holy day. Folks from all over the world, as we saw, were in Jerusalem to celebrate. Why is that important? Because they were devout Jews. They loved God. They cared about God. They devoted their lives to God. And so God gave them, in this moment, the opportunity to come to know Him, to be baptized, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then to spread it to the world. Now, did that happen for all? Well, well, no. The thing I love about the Bible is it tells us the whole story, not just the good. It kind of is kind of makes me understand that the Bible's a true book, right? Because it doesn't just paint the rosy picture. It gives us the whole picture. And I actually find some comfort in that because there are times in Scripture where folks don't get it. And if I'm honest, there are times in my life where God tells me things and I don't get it. I know that I don't fully understand. And yet God is patient in the midst of that. As we see in the Scripture that we read today, the coming of the Holy Spirit receives some mixed reviews. Right? There were some mixed reviews. Remember how the crowd responded. Some were filled with wonder 
and awe. They thought it was this incredible experience. They were amazed and perplexed. Not everyone had this response, however, right? Some were like, these guys are drunk. These guys are drunk. Now, it's incredible that in that same experience, you have these two opposing viewpoints, right? Some were amazed. Some were like, they're drunk. How's that possible? Well, that's because matters of faith oftentimes are open to interpretation. The crowd offered mixed reviews because we can make a choice, right? Matters of faith give opportunities to trust God or to kind of rely on ourselves. So either we trust God and receive the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, or we trust in ourselves and we may miss out. What's interesting is in that moment, the crowd said far more about themselves than about the Holy Spirit because of how they received the promise. Now, Peter stood up to speak, right? We remember that. And what he started to do right off the bat, what he did was he began to explain how this all came about. Now, Peter's response was both practical and prophetic, right? Practical and prophetic. He had both of those things tied together. He addressed the negative claim first. Listen, these guys can't be drunk. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. Bars aren't even opened yet. Then he explained what was happening. The prophet Joel had prophesied many, many, many years before that in the end of days, God would pour out his spirit. Peter said, this is that, right? What the prophet Joel wrote is happening right now. So Peter tells us the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that day was the beginning of the last days. Folks will often say, do you think we're living in the end times? Yeah, absolutely. Peter says it. It starts right here. It's been going on for 2,000 years. And it's like, well, how can the end times be that long? Well, I don't know how long the last days will last. God does. That's not on my agenda for the day. Thankfully, I don't have any control or say into that. But Peter tells us, that they were experiencing the last days. And as a result, the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all people. Now, the outpouring started with 120, right? But it would continue, as Jesus said, to become a global reality. This leads us to a good question. It's actually been asked here at New Life in the past. Since it says the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all people, right? Does that mean that all people have the Holy Spirit? Well, the answer to that is no, it means the Holy Spirit is available to all people, right? The Holy Spirit is available. Just as people have the opportunity to respond to the good news of salvation, some do, some don't, not all people receive the Holy Spirit or have been filled with Him, even though He is available to us. Remember, the coming of the Holy Spirit fulfilled the promise of the Father and is available to us just as it was available to the crowd that day. Jesus always keeps his promises. He promised the Holy Spirit, and he did it. And not only was it uh, fulfilled to the apostles, it was fulfilled to 120 folks. Now, if we had continued to read through Acts 2 at the end, some pretty incredible things happened. I want to share that with you today. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 37, says this, When the people heard this, this is Peter's message, about Jesus and his salvation, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So when Peter finished his message, people were cut to the heart. And 
incredibly, they asked, what should we do? Pastor Chris referenced last week that the words of Jesus, and he said that one of the most important things that the Holy Spirit will do would be to convict us, to convict people of sin. Peter's message was spirit-filled, right? And the people said, what do we need to do? It's not enough to be convicted of sin or feel bad or, or any of those things. We have to do something. And Peter says, repent, turn around, turn away. That's what repent means. You're going this way, turn around, go the other way. Be baptized in the name of Jesus for what? Forgiveness of sins. So we must accept Jesus. And then the gift of the Holy Spirit is available to all of us. The Holy Spirit comes when we trust Jesus. He fills us when we yield to him. That's what Peter was letting us know. And he made sure the promise, he made sure to show that the promise is available. The promise is available for everyone. He says, the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, Peter was speaking to Jews that day, but as we know, the promise is available to all, Jews and Gentiles alike. We'll soon see this reality only a couple of chapters later. In Acts chapter 10, Peter receives a vision and goes to the house of a man named Cornelius, who's a Gentile. A Gentile is someone, simply someone who is not a Jew. So if you are not a Jew, you are a Gentile. And he goes to Cornelius' house, and there's some incredible things in ha that happen, but long and short, uh, as he's there, he declares the word of the Lord, and Cornelius and his entire household come to know Jesus. They're saved, they repent, and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and they speak in other languages or tongues. What's the takeaway? Well, here's the takeaway. God loves people. God loves people. Doesn't matter, Jews, Gentiles, men or women, young or old, God loves people. He sent Jesus to save us from sin and death and to give us and grant us eternal life. And that would have been enough, right? That would have been enough. God could have just sent Jesus to save us. And for many Christians, I think that's where we are. We believe, and it's true, that Jesus saved us, and we're kind of done. But that isn't the end. It's only the beginning, because God didn't stop there. He didn't stop with salvation. He sent the Holy Spirit to come and live in us, that we could have victorious lives, to live out of his abundance, and to tell others of his salvation as well. As we close the message today, remember, the promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone. The Holy Spirit's available to you, and he is also available to me. What we know is that our sin crucified Jesus. It's our sin that put him on that cross, and through his life, his death, and his resurrection, we receive the gift of salvation that sets us free. We have to accept that pay payment. And we have to accept the fact that a penalty was paid for us, and that is the moment of salvation. And we are saved when we do that, but that is not the end. That is simply the beginning. God wants to give us what He promised, the Holy Spirit, so we can live in His power by His grace and love. So we'll offer the promise to others. We, just like the apostles, as we are saved, we wait we are filled and we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we do what? We go. 
We tell others of Jesus from here to the very ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is available, but we have to receive it and we have to ask, Lord, would you fill me this day with your Holy Spirit because he's available. As we do so, we'll be living out what is our next step for this week, which is I'll remember the promise of the Holy Spirit is available to everyone and we'll live in his power daily. The Holy Spirit's available and we get to live in his power. But we only get to do that after we have received Jesus as Savior and Lord of our lives. Today, here at New Life, because it's the first of the month, we get to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And we have what's known as an open table or an open Lord's Supper. That means as long as you know Jesus as Savior and Lord, we would invite you to join us in celebrating the Lord's Supper. But if you don't yet know Jesus, why not today? Why not make that step today? It's the first step of many, but it's the most important step in your life, declaring that you need Jesus as Savior and Lord. It's simple. It's not easy. It's simple because Jesus made the way. And it's as simple as A, B, C. Admit, believe, confess. We admit that we're sinners in need of a Savior. We believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is the Son of God. And as a result of that, he has the right to be the Savior and Lord of our lives. And then we confess. We confess our sins, but we also confess our need for him. In a moment here, I'm going to pray. And if you've yet to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord, I'd invite you to do so. And if you take that next step, I'd invite you to let us know in the chat. There's a, there's a little button that will appear and you can click on that and someone will chat with you because this is an incredible moment. And we want to make sure that you have some guidance as you take these next steps because again, salvation is the beginning. Then we pray and we ask that the Lord would fill us with his Holy Spirit which is available to all of us today so that as we are filled, many may come to know him from here to the end of the earth. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. God, I would ask and pray right now that you would move in our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit. Father, for any who do not yet know you, God, I pray that you would prick their hearts, that you would open their spirits. Lord, that they would make, a, make the next step to receive you. And if they're ready, Father God, if they are prepared, and Lord, if you are moving, then I would simply invite them to pray these words. Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I admit that I'm a sinner in need of you. I believe that you are who you say you are, that you are the Son of God, that you are the Savior and Lord of my life. And I confess that I need you. I confess that without you, uh, I can actually do nothing. And so, Father God, I ask and pray right now that your Holy Spirit, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that Jesus would rule and reign in my life. Father, for any of us here who do know Jesus, I would pray that we would be available for the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit is available to us, that we may live that out each and every day. I thank you and I praise you. It's in your name. Amen.